0: Welcome to our
1: show tonight. I am your host, Doris Hansen. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And we are grateful that you've decided to join us and share part of your evening with us. And we do have an interesting show prepared for you tonight. We're going to compare the Old Testament priesthood with the priesthood that Joseph Smith introduced. But first, I want to announce that the Utah County uh, Former Mormon Support Group meets Tuesday, next Tuesday, that's August 21st at 6 p.m., and they have a special speaker this month for their group. It's Earl Erskine will be there to speak. He's also known as Bishop Earl. He was a LDS for 60 years, and he is a former LDS bishop. He also hosts the X-Files TV show on Friday nights here on TV20 at 8 p.m. They're going to meet. The support group is going to be meeting at the First Baptist Church. The address is 1144 West Columbia Lane in Provo, Utah. And for more information, you can call 801-374-8489 or email lewis at way61 at hotmail.com. Again, we always suggest that people who have come out of polygamy groups or out of the LDS church find a good support group, one that uh, where people that are there who have been there, done that, and they can really help you uh, go through and answer some of the questions and some of the, tr- the uh, troubles and trials that you go through in leaving um, a false religion. That's August 21st at 6 p.m. with special speaker Earl Erskine, Uh, you know, we often hear from our Mormon uh, critics that no other religion on the planet has the authority to do what the Mormon church does have the authority to do, and that's why it's the only true church on the planet. They, as well as the polygamy groups, claim that they have exclusive priesthood authority to be God's representative on earth and to administer um, God's ordinances and his blessings. They claim that all other religions are working with no genuine authority from God. I want to quote from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, He then proceeded to give instructions to his disciples to go into the world and to teach them and to baptize them. And he promised that he would always be with them forever. Now, there is no lost authority. When Jesus said forever, that's exactly what he meant. In the book of Acts, Peter, the apostle Peter, preached his first sermon. And 3,000 people responded to his message and were saved that day. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people were baptized. Who baptized 3,000 people? If the priesthood authority was necessary to baptize people, how could just a mere handful of men possibly baptize 3,000 people in one day? It's impossible. So who baptized all those people? Could it possibly be that they baptized each other? Of course they did. That's exactly how it happened. All authority was given to Jesus, and he gave that authority to his disciples. A disciple is someone who follows and learns from another person. All Jesus' true disciples have the authority that Jesus gave all of his disciples. Tonight with our guest... Chris Holmbaum, who himself is a former Mormon, we're going to look at the Mormon and the Mormon fundamentalist priesthoods and compare their so-called authority, the functions, and their requirements with what the Bible explains about the priesthood, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so to get started, we've got a lot to cover, so to get started on the priesthood comparison discussion, I want to introduce, he's been here on the show before, and welcome Chris Holmbaum, thank you for coming again.
2: Well, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it.
1: We've got a volatile subject tonight, I think.
2: I think we do.
1: <laughs> We're going to cover <laughs> as much as we can. And, and it's a lot of information in just a short period of time. So we need to, to um, move along with it so that we can get in as much as we can. Now, we know that the polygamists believe that they are the only ones with true priesthood authority. We know the Mormon Church believes and teaches that they are the only ones with true priesthood authority. But we want to see uh, uh, compare what they have and with what the Bible says about priesthood and its authority. So we've got, I think, five or six points that we're going to be uh, talking about in this. So the first point is we need to define the priesthood. If someone came from Mars and they came down and, and were starting to talk to you and you all of a sudden were talking about priesthood and they said, huh, what is that? how would you define the priesthood on the mormon side
2: on the mormon side they define the priesthood as being able to act within the name of god uh, they have that authority to act within the name of god
1: within the name of god and that's probably what they say i've got a quote here from uh... More polygamist mormon president joseph f smith and he said the priesthood in general is the authority given to man to act for god so that's what he said uh... in the early church and then president joseph fielding smith said we are the lord's agents we represent him he has given us authority which empowers us to do all that is necessary now get this to do all that is necessary to save and exalt ourselves this is from the basic manual for priesthood holders page three
2: that's interesting Uh, because he's now saying that we save ourselves and it's not christ right who saves us. So it's again another works attributed effort.
1: It's the priesthood that does the saving rather than, than Jesus that does the same. And and Jesus said in Matthew 1926, when the when the disciples said, Well, how can we be saved? When the rich man, you know, it's harder for the rich man to, to enter the kingdom of heaven?" And that disciples, Well, then who can be saved? And Jesus said, With man that is impossible.
2: Yes, but with God, nothing is impossible. Right.
1: So He says that we save ourselves. That's wrong, and the exaltation as well. Um, what did Jesus say in Matthew twenty-three, twelve? He who exalts himself will be abased. So when He says that they save and exalt themselves, they're going against what Jesus said.
2: Well, they're putting themselves back into another works category, and it's that's unfortunate because what they do is they take away from the works that Christ did. Mm-hmm. See. Jesus Christ did it all.
1: Right, he's already done it. All. He
2: was the one who did everything. He did all the work on the cross, and that's why at the end he said, "It's finished."
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
2: And it's it's through Christ that these things are done, not through a priesthood.
1: So that's the definition of the priesthood from the Mormon or the polygamous side. They believe they're acting for God on the planet. Now, what <clears throat> about the biblical? What is the definition? How do you define the biblical priesthood?
2: The biblical priesthood, is it's a Levitical priesthood and it's a priesthood that was handed to Aaron and it was supposed to stay within the tribe, the Levites, mm-hmm. and just with the Levites. Mm-hmm. That's why we find, as we'll talk about later, some of the problems and the sins of Jeroboam. Mm-hmm. We find out about what Saul did when Saul went ahead and officiated in a sacrifice when Samuel mm-hmm. wasn't there. Yep. And these were things that were detestable before God because mm-hmm. there was a genealogical line of priesthood that had to be filed. It was by blood, and it was for sacrifice.
1: That's right. And and what what God did is he um, he he wanted to illustrate to the Israelites the proper worship, that that his hatred for sin, that people cannot just come to <clears throat> come to God in their sin. They had to, the priesthood demonstrated how people were to come and worship God according to His way, and that. Uh, They cannot come to him if they're defiled in their sin. In the New Testament, the priesthood of the Old Testament, of course, is made null and void. And it says no mediator is required now. The Old Testament priesthood was the mediator.
2: Exactly. But in
1: 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6, it says, For there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And then it says, Who gave himself as a ransom for all men. So if anyone is the mediator... He has to be the one who gave himself as a ransom for all men. And there's only one who did that.
2: That's right. And, and that's that was Jesus. Yeah. Amen.
1: So anyone who thinks he's got a priesthood authority, we can ask him, Have you given yourself as a ransom for a, all men?
2: It's a it was a he was the perfect sacrifice. See, the Levitical priesthood was a symbol of things, okay, that were foreordained. These this was this was something that was a symbol of what Christ would do to fulfill the law, mm-hmm. and it wasn't anything that we do, and that's why the, the Aaronic priesthood was abolished, because right. Jesus completed it. it. He did it, It was right. finished.
1: And we'll get into that even more as we go. Okay, the second comparison, why is the priesthood needed according to Mormonism, according to fundamentalists, and then we'll compare it to why it's needed according to the Bible. So why, why is the priesthood needed according to Mormonism? Why is it's it needed? needed
2: because the authority had to be continued to be carried down so the authority was carried down from Abraham to Noah and then according to Mormonism it was lost mm-hmm. and then it was restored again when John the Baptist came and confirmed it upon Oliver Cowdery and Joseph Smith mm-hmm. and then they in turn confirmed it upon each other when they baptized each mm-hmm. other and
1: that's what they said it's needed yes. for salvation You've it's needed have for salvation the
2: blessing of children for ordaining people to new offices for temple marriage
1: for uh, so on, yeah. yeah. Now the priesthood. I know the fundamentalists believe that no celestial or plural marriage uh, can be done, and the Mormons believe that too. No celestial marriage can be done. That's without the priesthood authority. The polygamists believe no plural marriages, and that that in order to uh, have the priesthood, you have to have plural wives. That's what they believe, and without the priesthood, the power of God cannot be manifest on the earth. That's
2: That's correct. That's what they believe. And in Mormonism actually, uh, this is what's interesting, there's actually three priesthoods. And a lot of Mormons don't recognize this. There's the Levitical priesthood or the Aaronic priesthood, the Melchizedek priesthood, and then there's a priesthood unto itself, which is the patriarchal authority. Hmm. And a lot of Mormons don't know that. Hmm. And that's one of the other things. And you'll find that that is written in the uh, that's written in the Doctrine and Covenants in section 107.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. None of those things we find in the Bible, though, as far as the way that they apply it. Oh, no. Um, now, the, the, the priesthood was needed, according to the Bible, to guide and teach the Israelites how to worship God's way, that they, that you can't worship God just any old way. You can't contrive your own way. God won't accept just any way of worshiping Him. It has to be God's way. Now, the, the Israelites had been in Egypt as slaves for over 400 years I think 450 years Moses brought them out, brought them into the desert and it was in the desert that God gave the instructions for the priesthood and the tabernacle and gave the law and during those 400 years in Egypt, the Israelites had had uh, learned the Egyptian way of worship. They, they, you know they worshipped idols and they were polytheistic. And God wanted the Israelites to learn about Him. And so the priesthood was given so that they could learn the priest uh, uh, the 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 sacrifice that was necessary uh, to take care of sins. And and you know that that was one of the reasons that Cain and Abel was a problem because Cain came with his. Good works, and Abel came with the sacrifice, and God right. rejected Cain and accepted Abel, and that's what the priesthood was doing—was showing the difference between those two. Actually, um, and so they were—he was teaching the Israelites after they'd been in Egypt for all those years the right way. The always don't lead to God; only one way leads to
2: one him. way leads to God, and that sin is so detestable before God that the shedding of blood is the only way in which you can get forgiveness of exactly. That. And that's what he wanted to go ahead and make a point to the Israelites.
1: That's exactly right. That's
2: why the law was so strict. It was so hard to follow. I mm-hmm. uh, whether you were banished outside of the camp, whether you were cut off and stoned. I mean, for things today that we would probably turn a blind eye to, you could lose your life mm-hmm. in Israel in
3: those That's days.
1: exactly right. Yeah. And the sinner needed to realize when they saw the shedding of blood with the sacrificial animals that he isn't worthy. To, 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 to go to God in and of himself. But God has made provision to make it. Now, it's God who makes us worthy to approach God. We, do, we can't make ourselves worthy. Correct. Only God makes us worthy. And so the good works, trying to make yourself worthy, is dirty rags to God.
2: Oh, yeah. The book of Isaiah points that out pretty clear. Right. Any works we do are detestable. That's why God did it Himself. That's
1: why He did for it. For the
2: forgiveness of our Because He son. was
1: the perfect sinless sacrifice. Okay, our third comparison, and this probably is a little bit more detailed, what are the duties, the responsibilities, the functions of the priesthood holder, uh, both in the, the Mormon, the fundamentalist, and also in the, in the Bible. So let's compare them with the Bible. What are the duties and the responsibilities? Now this
2: is, this is where you get this huge chasm between the two, whether between the biblical and the Mormon priesthood. The Mormon priesthood, for the Aaronic priests, they're the ones who bless the sacrament, they're the ones who collect the fast offerings, they're the ones that go ahead and they assist, uh, they'll go ahead and assist the elders quorum if they need them for something, they're in the Boy Scouts, things like that. Mm -hmm. The the Melchizedek priesthood, the Melchizedek priests, they're the individuals that serve in the higher callings, uh, whether it's in the bishopric, whether it's in the elders quorum, uh, they serve in the higher capacity of the church, all the way up to the president mm-hmm. of the church, who holds the Melchizedek Priesthood, and only
1: they can serve in those capacities. They are the only not, ones that can. Yes, but no, nobody else can. You know, I I, I went to a uh, I, I did go to a lot of sites, uh, Mormon.org, and, and places on the internet to find their remarks. Read priesthood manuals and so on. One of them said that the, that one of the functions is to administer the gospel. Uh, that holds the keys of the mysteries of heaven, the key of the knowledge of God, that the priesthood holds the key of the knowledge of God. And it reminded, I thought it was kind of odd because in, uh, a lot of times when you ask them a question, they'll say, I don't know. And yet it's questions that they should know, but they'll say, oh, God will work it out in the end, but I don't know. In 1998, Gordon Hinckley was interviewed by Larry King. Twelve times in that interview, he said, I don't know. I don't know. He must not have been a priesthood holder, because a priesthood holder holds the keys to the knowledge of God. And some of those questions dealt with the knowledge of God.
2: Well, even in that interview, Larry King had asked Gordon B. Hinckley, he said, Well, isn't it true that you believe that that you will become gods one day? And he said, I don't know whether that's true, and, and I don't know whether we teach that or not.
1: Yeah. So if the Which priesthood has the keys of the knowledge of God, why didn't he know that?
2: that well, I'll tell you, I was shocked when I saw that on TV, because at that time I was LDS. Mm-hmm. And I just went, he, he's lying.
0: Yeah,
2: He definitely knows that. And then when conference yeah. came around, he tried to correct himself. Yeah. So he tried to regain his footing on yeah, that.
1: Yeah. It's okay to lie to unbelievers, by the way. In, Lying for the in, in, Lord. Especially with the polygamy groups. Okay, <laughs> let's look at the, the, the duties, the functions of the priesthood holders of the Old Testament, of the Bible. What Did they do some of the things? Do, do they have all these functions that, that the Mormon Church has and the polygamists have with their priesthood holders?
2: Oh, absolutely not. None. Absolutely not. No, none. None whatsoever. In fact, they weren't there to confirm blessings and give blessings to people. They weren't there to heal the sick Was something they weren't there to do. Basically, and and I don't mean this by being irreverent in any way whatsoever, but they were professional butchers. Mm -hmm. And uh, the temple in Jerusalem was a slaughterhouse. And it was a slaughterhouse that if you walked into Jerusalem, you would have smelt the blood and you would have smelled a barbecue mm-hmm. at all times because they were slaughtering the animals for the forgiveness of sin. And yet they were also cooking some of the meat, the fat, mm-hmm. and that they, God said, you'll burn that unto mm-hmm. me. Right. And that's what they did. They did not serve in a, a, a capacity of... Uh, uh, having themselves, as an example, uh, go out and collecting stuff from the people. The people brought that stuff right, into them, to them, and that was because God had commanded it. Mm-hmm. But what they would do is they would bring a lamb in, so you would have a lamb that would be sacrificed for your sins. And then, if you screwed up on Wednesday, you'd take in two turtle doves. Yeah. And if you screwed up on Sunday, you'd bring in a ram. Mm-hmm. So uh, each time, what God wanted them to feel was the pain. Of, of that and the sacrifice. the death of
1: sin. The, yes. sin, the wages of sin is death.
2: He wanted them he to says. feel the, the pain. I mean, to take so, away your livelihood that way uh, was tough. Uh,
1: well, yeah, yeah. And they raised animals specifically for it then. And and, and part of the Levitical priesthood, uh, part of the job of a, of a Levitical priest would be to to examine the animal and make sure that it was perfect. It
2: had to be perfect. Without, so, so you could, couldn't take the junk animals right. down, so to say. And so
1: the priest could accept or reject the animal. And they they functioned at the altar and in the temple is, is what the the priesthood in the Mormon priesthood they can't function in the temple unless they have a temple recommend correct uh, they can proclaim ch- people clean or unclean if they have a contagious disease the priest could look at it and God gave him instructions on how to how to tell that and how to examine that and then if the the person had a contagious disease he could the priest had the authority to tell him to stay away from you know the people until he was healed. Uh, they supervised the temple work, the repair on yep. the temple grounds, and, and they announced the, fe- the, the festivals. The feasts, yep. And they also uh, would use the urim and thummim for special uh, decisions that needed to be done. I, I don't see any more in priesthood doing that. Well, I yeah, don't see any know, Mormon they, priesthood
2: officiating for any of the festivals either. <laughs> so I don't they, see them out there with the Feast of Tabernacles. I don't see them out there with the Feast of Passover. If they, but if Joseph Smith
1: restored it how, come it, how come all these things aren't being done?
2: Well, the problem is he didn't restore anything. There was nothing ever. He just
1: made something brand new, didn't That's he? That's right. He just made he just something brand new. changed it a little bit. The priesthood authority did not perform marriage or temple endowments. No. They didn't do baptisms for the dead. They didn't do patriarchal priesthood blessings. Nope. In fact, there are no priesthood healings. I know they give blessings and all that for priesthood healings. The polygamy groups do this same thing. But in the Bible, there are no priesthood healings in the Old Testament.
2: Not one. Any
1: healing was done by the prophet, not the priest. And the prophet, like Elijah and Elisha, they did. They did special miracles and special yeah. healings, but not the priesthood. Not the priest, no. But the, when, when Jesus healed the leper... He told the lepers, "Go to the show yourself to the priests." Right. The priesthood didn't heal him, though those. But the priesthood is the one because he they had been ordained to 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 pronounce cleansing if someone was healed, and that's why they went and showed themselves to the priest.
2: Well, when we as Christians, when we go ahead and pray over somebody, everything's done in the name of Christ. If if the LDS people would think about it, and you priesthood holders who are out there this evening, I think if you think about it when you pray you're saying by the power of the holy melchizedek priesthood which i bear see you're going by the power of a priesthood not by jesus christ because it should be through jesus christ and through his atoning sacrifice please lift this person up and heal them mm-hmm. because it's only through christ only jesus. It's not any power
1: i have that's right Absolutely.
2: It's, it's christ who's got the power mm-hmm. so there's mm-hmm. a prideful thing that goes with that to say well I'm a priesthood holder and you know I I carry the Melchizedek priesthood and I honor my priesthood and I'm and I am righteous and I am worthy to carry that God told us there's no one righteous there's nobody worthy and
1: and actually there is no priesthood I mean they can call themselves priests all day long but when you look at the authority that Bible gives only Jesus Christ holds a priesthood so to speak or the believers born-again Christians have a royal priesthood Correct. And that's we're We're serving the king. That's a royalty. King, the king of kings. Yes. And we serve him as a royal, serving each other, and you know, and, and administering the gospel and different other things according to the royalty of Jesus. And that's the only. We don't have any authority either to heal. We can pray and ask for healing. We can ask for healing, but God we does don't the have that
2: authority. Only God has, because all authority was given to who. Jesus Jesus.
1: all authority was given to him and Jesus is our high priest he fulfilled the Old Testament priesthood perfectly and completely including the sacrifice yes he did in fact he was representative he was the Lamb of God right the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world so he represented us in being the lamb the sinner who the wages of sin is death he took our sin and then he was also the offerer he offered so he was both the sacrifice and the one who offered the sacrifice. Exactly, he
2: completed what else is sides. there? What else There's is
1: there? There's nothing else. There can't be. See, he did else. it
2: all. Yeah. I, I, I think what people fail to recognize is the priesthood, and, and what would happen as an example the day of Passover, the lamb would come in and live in the house for seven days with the family, so the family mm-hmm. got close to this mm-hmm. lamb and the kids played with it, and it was a perfect lamb, and it was usually about a year old, and then they would have to take that lamb down to the temple where the priest would put its hand on the individual who had sinned on the lamb, and they would slaughter it. They would slice its throat and then drain its blood. I mean, what a horrible thing when you think of that. But God wanted them to know what was at stake for their sin. Because the wages of sin were death.
1: Death. 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 And that's what the
2: symbolic thing was. So Jesus, as the lamb of God, came as a perfect unblemished lamb. He took upon our sins. Mm -hmm. And at that point... The veil was rent. Mm-hmm. When the veil was rent, that open passage to myself and right. Jesus Christ or God face to was face. right there face to face. Right. I don't need man between right.
1: me No now. man. No. I can go directly they, to the Lord. God took the veil down, but unfortunately the Mormons have put the veil back up. They have.
2: They've put that boundary, that barrier now back right. in there. Right. Again, Joseph changed something. That Jesus did. Right, he, he wanted did. to reverse it.
1: He did. Now, after fulfilling the Old Testament law, which Jesus did, then there had to be a, a change in the priesthood. It tells us in Hebrews seven twelve, for when there is a change of the priesthood, there must also be a change of the law, and there was a change. Oh yeah. A change. Jesus fulfilled the priesthood. The priesthood is no longer valid. In fact, we're told that it it, it has disappeared. It's gone. And because Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law, and we are not under law. Believers, born again believers are not under the law. We're under grace. Romans 6.14 says, for sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. The purpose of the law was to show us our sin.
2: Exactly. it was to show us how corruptible we are and right. how miserable we are before God, because I, it's interesting because I'll speak to a lot of uh, LDS individuals when I witness, and they'll say, "Well, I'm righteous, I'm, and I, I'm righteous and I'm worthy to carry the priesthood." And then usually I'll say, "Well, have you ever looked at a woman with sin?" and they'll just laugh and joke and say, "Well, well who well, doesn't? Yeah. yeah,
1: everybody does," they say. Well,
2: you've committed adultery in your heart. Right. That just you're not righteous and you're not worthy to carry that. That's you should right. go to your bishop and say, "Remove this from me because now I'm not righteous."
1: Now, it being and this the, the law itself had no power to keep us from sinning. All it could do is show us we were sinners. That's right. It showed but us how grace, inept we were. But grace, we're under grace now, not the law. Grace works within, and the power of God's grace will keep us from sinning. We don't yes. need garments. We don't need the threats of the bishop. We don't need two years worth of repentance and all that, we, because grace gives us the power from within not to sin. So the law couldn't do that, but grace does.
2: And you know what? The people I think get confused because they think of grace as the authority to sin. It's not.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So a lot, it's lot of, the a
2: lot of yeah, exactly. I've had Mormons say, "Well, you say this little prayer to suddenly, and now you're saved." Absolutely. Well, you can just go out and sin freely. No, I can't.
0: No. Okay. No.
2: I love yeah. God with all my heart, so therefore I choose not to sin, and I choose not to follow, you know, the ways of the world. Yeah. Do we fall? Absolutely, we all do. But you know what? Grace is there to forgive Grace us. Grace is there to forgive us. Not my works and to His works,
1: and to help us not do it again next time. And then, of course, the, how about the biblical priest and their garments? Now, these aren't the garments the Mormons wear. These aren't the same garments. Oh, they're they're
2: completely different. But I
1: have some pictures of an artist's rendition of the biblical description of the high priest and the garments they were supposed to wear. Exodus, there's there's three pictures right there. One is the sacrifice and two is the high priest. Exodus 28, 2 says, Make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him dignity and honor. There was only one high priest at a time. Aaron wore these kinds of clothes when he served in the temple and served before the altar. And that on the on the left hand side of the screen the incense that the high priest used. I don't believe that any polygamous priesthood or Mormon priesthood uses this uh, they don't these, they don't burn these. incense
2: uh, the temple garments uh, some people might say well yeah, there's the sash and and there's the the uh, uh, the apron that goes on and all of that so they might try to relate it to that but mm-hmm. obviously there's a lot of problems uh, with temple garments and there's a lot of problems with the significance of having fig leaves and mm-hmm. that's definitely mm-hmm. not biblical mm-hmm. because right. that right. was what was used to hide sin mm-hmm. it wasn't used to forgive of sin
1: that's right so absolutely true so uh, we're getting uh, toward that the half-hour um, and we've got a lot to talk about and we can talk about on the other side of the half-hour uh, between phone calls but right now um, I wanted to do Jehu Jehu. Uh, Let me do that real quick before we break. Um, Many times in the book of 2 Kings, we read about the sins of Jeroboam, King Jeroboam. And he was the king of the 10 tribes of the northern tribes of Israel. And very quickly, I want to to read some verses in 2 Kings, uh, starting with chapter 3, verse 3, where it says, nevertheless, he clung to the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit. He did not turn away from them. Chapter 10, uh, verse 31, it says, Yet Jehu was not careful to keep the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam. Um... 2 Kings 13, 2 says, uh, the king did evil in the eyes of the Lord by following the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he caused Israel to commit. Chapter 15, another king, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam. And over and over again, we read, he didn't turn from the sin of Jeroboam. So what was the sin of Jeroboam that was so bad that God kept Uh, bringing this up to them. Well, we're going to read about This is very important for people, if you want to know, if you really want to learn what the Bible means about these kinds of things, this is very important. 1 Kings chapter 12 verses 28 through 32. It says, The king who is Jeroboam made two golden calves. He said to the people, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. One he set up in Bethel and the other in Dan. And this thing became a sin to the people. Even, uh, the people went even as far as Dan to worship the one there. Jeroboam built shrines on high places and appointed priests from all sorts of people, even though they were not Levites. He instituted a festival on the 15th day of the 8th month like the festival held in Judah and offered sacrifices on the altar. This he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves he had made. And at Bethel he also installed priests at the high places he had made. Now what Jeroboam did, these are the sins of Jeroboam. This is very important. He instituted false worship. He appointed unauthorized people to, be, to the priesthood in the 10 tribes. They were from the tribes of Israel.
2: They were from the tribes of Israel, but they, but they weren't, weren't Levites. Levites.
1: They worshipped that which was not God. They worshipped something that was not the one and only God. They worshipped at places other than the one and only temple that God authorized. He only authorized one temple, and it was at Jerusalem. He said, I will put my name only on that temple in Jerusalem. And, and, and he had them worship in other places. He appointed priests that were not Levites. He instituted religious rituals that God hadn't commanded. And this culture is full of that. All kinds of rituals that God didn't command. Those were the sins of Jeroboam and those are the sins of this culture.
2: I, you know what, Jeroboam committed the sins of, he changed the object, he changed the place, he changed the priesthood, and he changed the day of worship for, the, for Tabernacles okay he changed that by almost a 30-day reference Mm -hmm, and those were all sins he removed he went to golden calves Mm -hmm. sort of like golden angels he went ahead and changed the object Mm
1: -hmm. jesus
2: christ to more of a priesthood type of worship right he went ahead and changed the time of worship, mm-hmm. if you want to hold the Sabbath holy...
1: It's got to be Saturday. That's right. It can't be Sunday. It can't be
2: Sunday. Right. So Absolutely. those were his sins, yeah. and he suffered for those. And, I mean, that, God, the whole nation of Israel suffered God for that. God will
1: only be worshipped his way. That's we right. We don't get to make our own way, and that's what the Levitical priesthood was all about, was to show us how we had to worship his way. Yeah. Well, we better, we better break here. Uh, we do have uh, um, um, our message that we like to show each week about our ministry. We're opening up the telephone lines now. Our phone number is 801-973-8820, 801 tv We'd love to hear from you if you want to join the conversation and, and uh, ask questions or just make some comments about what we've been talking about. We have more to talk about as well. But right now, we want to share this message with you.
3: You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of a Shield and Refuge ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll free at 877 877- or email us at tv at polygamy.com. You are welcome to join us in our monthly support group, Life After Polygamy where you can meet others like yourself who are searching for answers about polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism We meet monthly in the Salt Lake City area For more details about time and place, call us toll free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com We want you to know that we've made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website www.whatloveisthis.tv There you will find the DVD Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you, is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream, on demand, directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now. Back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen.
1: Welcome back to our show. I'm Doris Hansen, and this is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And we have been discussing with Chris Hohnbaum the priesthood authority that the Mormon church claims to have. The polygamy groups also claim to have it, and of course we're comparing that with what the Bible Uh, teaches about the priesthood. Right now, I would like to to quote something that David Whitmer wrote down in a a book called An Address to All Believers, of course, uh, talking about the Mormon religion. And he was very upset about something, David Whitmer was. Uh, And and it kind of talks about the changes that have been made in the priesthood and other things that we've been talking about already. But David Whitmer said this. You can tell he's upset. He says, You have changed the revelation from the way they were first given and as they are today in the book of commandments to support the error of brother Joseph in taking upon himself the office of seer to the church. You have changed the revelations to support the error of high priests. You have changed the revelations to support the error of a president of the high priesthood, high counselors, etc. You have altered the revelations to support you in going beyond the plain teachings of Christ in the new covenant part of the Book of Commandments. Even David Whitmer, who was a Mormon, knew that there was something very wrong with what they were doing. And the Mormon church has changed and changed and changed, and they continue to change things. They've changed from what the purity of the Bible has to say about it, and even from their own Historical revelations; they have made changes. But I want to say something, uh, and then we're going to go to some phone calls here. David Crump was um, a pastor who was in Salt Lake several years ago, and he did a piece on the Melchizedek priesthood and the Aaronic priesthood, kind of like what we've been talking tonight. But he made some summary comments I want to share with you. The Melchizedek priesthood: there's only one Melchizedek priest, and it's not a priesthood; it's a priest, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the only Melchizedek, any per, the only person in the order of Melchizedek. The New Testament of Hebrews tells us what personal qualities are required for someone who wants to hold the Melchizedek priesthood. And you are going to go up on the screen, there's four of them. The first one is the quality to become a Melchizedek priest, you must live forever. That doesn't mean that you have somehow gained eternal life. It means that you have no beginning as well as no end. You endure forever through the inherent self-possessed power of your own indestructible eternal life. So in order to be a Melchizedek priest, you must have life within yourself. You must be able to give yourself life and give others life as well. Who qualifies for that? Number two, you need to have personally received an oath from God promising that He has made you the Messiah of the world. By the way, you'll find these in the book of Hebrews. These are there. In order to be hold a, a, a priesthood in the order of Melchizedek, you must have been promised by God that you would be the Messiah. Who qualifies for that? Number three, you must be holy. Not that you're trying to be holy. You must already share in God's own character, in His inherent perfection, which means that you are free of all sin. There can be no blemish of, in, of inadequacy in your life you have never done anything even slightly wrong. Now, who in the world could possibly feel that? These three impossibilities for anybody to be a priesthood of the order of Melchizedek. And number four, the final one, you must be the eternal son of God who meets the seven qualifications of of sonship outlined in Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. In other words, you must be the eternal mediator of creation who continues to sustain the creation through the power of your own spoken word word. Anyone who does not have these four qualifications is ineligible to be a priest and the order of Melchizedek. Also according to Hebrews 7, the Melchizedek priesthood holder cannot have a genealogy, he can't have a father or a mother, he can't have a beginning or an end.
2: That's right and there's only one person that fits that bill and there, that's Jesus.
1: There's no priesthood, uh, Melchizedek priesthood, no, is there?
2: No, there's not a Melchizedek priesthood. There's an order of Melchizedek. And I think that's what happens. A lot of people say, well, look, there's a Melchizedek priesthood. No, it's after the order of Melchizedek. And Jesus is our high priest. See, there's only one high priest in the Old Testament right. at one time. Only well, one was at that. a time,
1: and it was now, inherited.
2: That's right. And what happened was that high priest would officiate in the Holy of Holies, is what he did. And it was symbolic of there's only one mediator between God and man. Right. When you have 500,000 Melchizedek priests suddenly that are out there, or people trying to follow after the Mel- after the order of Melchizedek, they're basically claiming to be Christ. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing. It's, it's interesting. And that's because, blasphemous.
1: Because God says there's only one God. The Mormons have multiple gods. God says to only have one wife. The Mormons have multiple wives. The Mormons have multiple priests. God says there's only one priest.
0: That's right.
1: Interesting. Okay, line two. Kendall from Bountiful. Hello, Kendall.
0: Yes, uh, this is Kendall. Um, I have a comment um the, the priesthood to the Mormons, um, they, that God—it's the power that God created the world with, and they think they got the power that God created the world with, and they also think that the devil's got a priesthood. And then I had a—I had a question that's not on subject, but I was wondering about: Does God—does does God have a body? Because Jesus had a body. So does God have a body? To Jesus,
1: the Bible tells us that God tells us that God is spirit, and Jesus said a spirit does not have flesh and bones. So no, God does not have a body. Uh, he became He He became the man Jesus Christ when He came on the earth to die for our sins, but He does not have a body.
0: Okay, and that, that was all that I had to say.
1: Thank you very much, Kendall. We do appreciate your call. Uh, that's interesting he said about Satan also has a priesthood
2: he does in fact one of the things in the temple ceremony when Satan says you know what happens is Adam says you know what's that you have on and he said these are the emblems of my priesthood well what's interesting is if you go to the live session I would ask some of the LDS people to do this if you go to the live session in Salt Lake City or in Manti either one sit in the front row and when he walks out and he's got his apron on and he said these are the emblems of my priesthood if you take a look at those emblems they are the compass in the square
1: the compass in the square the compass and the square that's the same things they have on their garment that's the it, emblems they have on is. their... so they put themselves under Satan's priesthood when they put on their garments?
2: absolutely
1: oh lord have mercy all right line one janet in Kearns is calling hello janet uh... hello doris thank you for uh, your show you're welcome uh... i have a question about the sabbath day Okay. Okay. The Sabbath day is actually Saturday, uh-huh. but at this time, uh, Christians and LDS, we honor that Sabbath on Sunday. Uh, well, I then it's not a Sabbath. to your answer. Okay, Janet. Thank you very much for your call. That's not a Sabbath then. If they if they're celebrating Sunday, fine. That's wonderful. But don't call it a Sabbath. It's not.
2: It's not. Actually, Paul tells us, don't hold. You know, don't stick with only one day holy unto the Lord. You know he says that all you all are days are holy unto the Lord, mm-hmm. and that's something that that uh, you have to realize Sabbath when God said, "Keep the Sabbath and to keep it holy." you need to look in the book of Leviticus and it'll tell you what the Sabbath is about right. that includes the year of jubilee, that includes the the resting of the land on mm-hmm. every seventh right, year every seven years. I mean there's an, I don't see the LDS church running or anyone else running to say we follow the Sabbath, we keep it holy, so therefore, guess what? It's the year of jubilee, you're all forgiven of your debts, mm-hmm. you don't owe any, oh by the way, any property you now have, it's got to revert back to the original owner. Right. And I don't see anyone running they, back they to they do, that. do that. They don't do
1: that. And, and the Sabbath is again fulfilled in Christ. He has fulfilled all the Old Testament law. And so the Sabbath itself was fulfilled in him. And if we want to worship on Sunday, that's fine. But don't right. call it a Sabbath. Don't do what Jeroboam did and change the laws and the rituals and then and then uh, requ- and call it a requirement from God. It just isn't true.
2: Right. You can hold any day as holy unto the
0: Lord. And you should hold every day holy unto the Lord. Every
1: day is holy unto the Lord. Absolutely. And if we, in fact, I think it's in Colossians where it says we can't judge anybody in regards to a Sabbath day or any other holy day. Right. We're free. We're free in Christ. We don't, we don't, we're not under the law. We're under grace.
2: Well, and you know what kills me is the fact that while we are under grace, I don't see anyone... as an example, whether you're a polygamist with the LDS group or F L D S group or whether you're part of the Mormon church here in Salt Lake City, which is a splinter group of the F L D S church in reality. In the
1: polygamy group uh, doctrine, yeah. Yeah.
2: And you don't see them holding to any of the festivals.
1: No, they don't. Not one. They pick and choose what they want to to apply from the Old Testament.
2: You've got the feast of Israel and I I would like to challenge I'd like to challenge
1: every polygamist to Leviticus eighteen. If you, if you live polygamy because the Bible says people live polygamy, then you better stick with Leviticus 18 and also Leviticus 20. It talks about the sexual sin that God finds abominable, and every single polygamist uh, is guilty of many of those sins. Okay, what, line three, Bob in Salt Lake City. Hello, Bob. Bob. Yes. You're on the air.
0: Yes, I was my question to you is how are you going to feel if in the afterlife you find out that the Book of Mormon was is true and that there is a living prophet on the earth today? Because it is true and there is one.
1: Give me proof, Bob. Give us proof the Book of Mormon's true. It's already been proven to be a spurious document, but there's not one shred of proof to prove the Book of Mormon's true. Not one, but there's plenty to prove it's false. One he
0: of proof one one proof. the, the book of mormon well, is its own witness it, in the book of mormon the book of mormon Moroni promises, promises the that book those who will seek with a sincere heart with real intent
2: bob listen we i've been mormon you can't tell bob you can't tell me something
0: manifest truth. unto them by yeah. the power of the holy ghost okay bob, bob you and know I,
2: what
1: woohoo.
0: there's know been over true. four
2: thousand changes to the book of mormon number one it is yeah. not the most correct book on earth there have been just no archaeology no. ever just, found you're, you're to support the book I of... no Don't i can i you can check that check out it please out. it's there no 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 you go it's check absolutely that out wrong. And call yep. next week and let's talk about it because after you investigate it you will find that that is the truth
1: yep there's over 4000
0: 4, oh, changes. You're just to it. absolutely wrong.
1: check it out, Bob. Uh, check
0: uh, it out, Bob. Just I'm sorry sorry into you look into the facts actually.
1: Look it up; it's there. The facts are there for you to find yep. it. Just you can go utlm.org on the internet, utlm.org, and you can find out. In fact, uh, Sandra Tanner is going to be on the show next week, and we're going to talk a lot about the temple and the new temple. You'll want to watch next why, week. Why
0: don't you ever have an active LDS person on there? Because so you they don't—they don't
1: even know their own history. They're But they don't even know their own history. The, 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 the active LDS will not tell the truth because they don't know most of the truth. Just like David Whitmer was castigating them. You've changed this. You've changed that. You've changed this. They don't even know.
2: What I would go ahead and do, Bob, out there, if you're still watching, here's what I would do. Go down to Deseret Book, and don't be afraid to do this, but go to Deseret Book, buy an 1830s version of the Book of Mormon, and go get your new Book of Mormon and start reading them. And, and then compare. start circling where they've changed things not only in grammar not only in punctuation but in full, in full understanding and in doctrine because you will not find any of the LDS doctrines in the Book of Mormon, right. not one.
1: Not true.
2: You'll only find those in the Doctrine and Covenants mm-hmm. but none of them are explained in the, the uh, Book and of Mormon. And the Book of
1: Mormon contradicts itself, it contradicts the Doctrine and Covenants, oh, yeah. and it contradicts the Bible. Okay, line two. James in Magna hello James yes you're on the air you're on the air James Hey, I'll
0: turn off the TV you
1: can at least turn the sound down
0: I have uh, I found in 2nd uh, in Nephi chapter 25 the verse that reads I know that Jews understand the things of the prophets but nobody else does unless they're taught after the manner and the ways of the Jews for the last 30 years I've been studying Hebrew culture and I was amazed to find there on Temple Square a representation of Adam and Eve kneeling at the altar, offering up their offerings unto God, with a true little lamb there, a live lamb. Or don't don't the Mormons understand, here's a question to Chris, don't the Mormons understand that the reason that Cain's offering was rejected is because it was not a blood offering? I'll take my answer on the air.
2: Gosh, that's, okay. you know, James, that's a great question. I'm really <laughs> glad you brought that up. Here's what's really interesting is in Temple Square, they used to have a, uh, it was a an altar that was, it was a bronze altar where Adam and Eve were lying before it with a bushel of fruits oh, and grains. I remember,
1: I've got a picture of that still.
2: And what happened was that was pointed out to them that that was the same sacrifice that Abel brought and it was declined. God it, said no. Cain brought it. Or Cain, Cain it. Yeah, yeah, Cain had brought and it was, it, God said no, I'm not going to accept that. Well, henceforth. The LDS Church has removed that, and now they've taken that, if I, if I remember right. Now, I'm not positive about this. I'm not going to say something I'm not perfect about, but they did take that back to Missouri. That's
1: and I, I think understood.
2: it's in Missouri right that, now. That's
1: what I understand. But,
2: no, they don't realize that the sacrifice can only be done with blood, and that was the only way of forgiveness of sins. God wanted us to feel the pain, and, again, it was symbolic of what Christ would do. Take the pain, shed the blood. Upon the cross for the well, forgiveness that, of sin. And, and
1: excuse me for interrupting, but that's what happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. They made the fig leaf aprons, and God removed them and put animal skins on them. He which sacrificed is the animals wet. for them, right? Yes. And he he threw it. In fact, the only thing that Jesus cursed while he is on this planet was fig leaves, the fig tree.
2: The fig tree, and that's it's what the they use on their apron.
1: Right. Yeah. Yep. It just shows you that everything is twisted and turned upside down in what they do, and 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 God. God says that he refused Cain's worship of the good, good works. That Absolutely.
2: And you know what? It. I bet you if you took 90% of the LDS people out there and you asked them, when you go through the temple and you finish going through the temple and you go home that night, you're probably saying to yourself, I have no idea what any of that stuff meant. I, I'm just But I'm lost. supposed
1: to do it, so I'll just but, keep exactly, doing it. Exactly.
2: And the problem is it's not supposed to make sense.
1: Right. Right. It's supposed to exactly. be confusing. I have a question. We talked earlier about Joseph Smith and the priesthood. I have a question for people. We won't have time now for answers uh, because we're getting towards the end of the show. But it's a good question about Joseph Smith receiving the, saying he received the priesthood. He said that without the ordinances and authority of the priesthood, no man can see the face of God. He said this in Doctrine and Covenants 84. The Bible also teaches us that no one can see the face of God and live. But Joseph Smith said that he saw God in 1820 when he had his vision in the grove. He said he saw God, but, but he never received any priesthood until 1829. So how did he see God without the priesthood, and how could he have survived it if he did when he says he couldn't? So he was either in error in one of two points. Uh, was he in error because without, without the priesthood he couldn't see God or was he in error that he saw God in the grove when he was 14 years old without the priesthood? Which, which was it? Well, I mean, which was it? That's, that's a question I like to ask our, our viewers who, who uh, think that Joseph Smith is infallible. And, and, and by the way, um, the man who called earlier, who, who says the Book of Mormon is true, he says, what are we going to do when we get on the other side and find the Book of Mormon is true and that there is a living prophet? I'd like to ask you, uh, sir, and everybody who's watching, what, what happens do? when you get on the other side?
2: What are you going to do? And
1: you find out the Bible was true and that there's not a second chance. What are you going to do?
2: And you've been lied to. Again, it just in, take an opportunity to investigate it. And you don't have to go to anti-Mormon stuff. Just go straight to the books. Go to the history of the church. Go mm-hmm. to the Journal of Discourses. Mm-hmm. Those are all considered sermons, and they're all, they're all acceptable by the church, and they're not anti-Mormon, and you can read these things. Right. The teachings of the prophet Smith where Joseph boasts that he's better than Christ. Whatever it might be, take an opportunity and put it into context. Go a page before and a page after right. to see it. It was
1: Mormons history, it was Mormonism's own history, not anti-Mormon material, but Mormons own history that got me to looking, that got me to questioning because their history was so violent and ungodly.
2: And you know what? There's been a lot of misconceptions on when the Mormons started to migrate to whether it was Kirkland, Ohio, or when they were in, in Independence, it was not a friendly relationship and they weren't these wonderful people that treated everybody they're perfect. Oh, there perfect. Right. There was contention.
1: Yeah, th- a lot of a lot of their problems was because of the things that they were doing, polygamy yes. being one of them, taking young wives. Well, Chris, we're at the end of the show again. I want to thank you for coming. Thank you again for being our guest. We do appreciate your insight and and all the work that you did to put this together tonight.
2: Thank you very thank much, much, Doris. I so appreciate much. it. Thank you.
1: And uh, we know that expressing biblical truths which are diametrically opposed to Mormon beliefs causes anger and denial in most of our viewers who have been raised on polygamist or Mormon doctrine. We testify, however, that the Bible is true and that it has been translated correctly. And we can honestly say that because there are so many facts to back up our testimony. There's no blind faith here. It's just plain, hard, indisputable facts. We showed proof tonight that there is no longer any Old Testament priesthood authority, that Jesus Christ fulfilled the entire law, which included the priesthood, and he fulfilled Filled it perfectly. He is the one and only Melchizedek High Priest. He is the one and only mediator between God and man. We don't need special priesthood blessings or garments. Jesus alone gives us blessings. He alone heals us. He watches out for us. He protects us. We know it's hard for you to believe that. And we know that it's fear mixed with pride that keeps you from investigating to see if these things are true. Yet if you don't check it out and if you die... Never having found out or embraced biblical truths, it's then too late. The Bible's clear. Even the Book of Mormon is clear. There is no second chance. Don't wait. You cannot lose by investigating, but you can lose if you don't check it out. That's all we ask you to do. You can call us liars all day long, but check it out. And tragically, when you ultimately face God on the other side, you'll know that the Bible was true and there are the, and that there are no second chances. Is it worth the risk? Don't wait! We always say study these things for yourself. Trust in God's love, which drives out fear. And then fearlessly ask Jesus for the truth. Ask Him for the whole truth and ask Him only for the truth. Good night.
0: This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.